0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Don't mind us working on the skeleton crew tonight. They say that for you guys and for everyone that's watching online now. Let's see here. All right. Hope everyone's week is up to this point has been good and blessed. Um, Out of the line of speakers, you got stuck with me while pastors on vacation, so I apologize for that. Um, (laughs) I'm going to do my best uh, with the Lord's help. Uh, First off, I'd like to shout out to the media staff. Uh, during all this time of COVID and everything, I haven't really got to say anything, but I really appreciate everyone's help. Zach, Malin, and Mariah uh, been by my side. No matter what I threw at them, they, they had me covered. They learned, um, learned with me um, as we went along the journey of COVID, which was a great journey. Um, but we're kind of getting out of it. And anything that I asked of them, they learned it on the spot. So I really appreciate that. Uh, wholeheartedly Um, I would like to give honor to pastor and his wife I'm glad they got to get away on some vacation Uh, thankful for their impact on my life and faith in me uh, to be blessed with the opportunity to be the youth pastor of these great students Um, I hope they get some well-deserved rest on their vacation Uh, I'd like to honor my grandparents uh, Bishop and Sister McGee I'm sure they're watching live stream Um, I love them so very much and thankful for their wisdom and love in this church. I may be a little biased, but I believe them to both uh, be two of the most loving people you'll ever meet. Um, And many can attest to that. I also like to give honor to my my parents, Brother and Sister Mason. Uh, Thankful for bringing me up and guiding my steps into truth ever since I was born. Uh, They're such amazing, godly examples, and I'm so proud to call them mom and dad. If you will turn with me to Isaiah 59, 1. We're going to go old school, as many might say. We're not going to have any words on the screen or anything. Uh, So, necessarily, it should never be out of school to use our Bible. So, technically, it's still school. Uh, But Isaiah 59 and 1. Isaiah 59 and 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. Tongue hath perverseness. Uh, none calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Brother Malone, if you would please pray. may be seated. Thank you. All right. Let's see here. It's just, that looks nice. I like that. We're just gonna, gonna, oh, yeah. This is good stuff. All righty. Yeah, that looks good. I think we're we're getting somewhere here. All right. This may be Quote, unquote, elementary teaching, so to speak, tonight. Uh, But I hope it can speak through uh, to someone. So growing up, I would guess, about everyone had a point in their life which their room might have looked something like this. We're talking about cleaning your room tonight. Looked something like this. You know, you got filth everywhere, you know, maybe... Got some toys, got some uh, trash, clothes, of course. It's just junk everywhere. And uh, most of the moms in the room, I'm sure, probably look at uh, <clears throat> their children and be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but there have been many points, and I know I've done this myself, uh, when when you even have a season. It may not be like this all the time, but there's a season. Um And uh, what does mom say when she sees it? This looks like a pigsty. They are the professionals on what a pigsty looks like. How about we assess how we got to the pigsty status? Um, More than likely, every time you looked at your room, kind of walked in, thought, yeah, this probably needs to get cleaned up. Looks looks like there's a good amount of stuff here. Probably need to... You know, I mean, it's right there. I could just throw it in there, throw it in the laundry. But yeah, you decide to get it. You're used to it by now. It's fine. We'll get used to it. Uh, you'll decide to get it later. Later is never coming. Later is never coming. But let's just say you start to clean your room. Let's say you start to pick up a few things. Let's let's assume that you're going to, you've decided and convinced yourself you're going to start picking up a few things. So you you pick up a thing here, and you, you got a shoe here. You're going to put that up. And, uh, oh, there's a toy. There's a toy. Yes, thank goodness there's a toy. I am distracted now. This means nothing. There is a toy. So we're going to get distracted. 30 minutes goes by. An hour goes by. Mom comes to the door. Are you cleaning your room? Yes, I'm cleaning my room. I'm cleaning my room. woo No, we're not cleaning our room. Later's never coming. So how about this? Someone's coming over, and someone tells you that you need to clean your room. So What do you do? You're going to find every nook and cranny you can get your hands on to just throw it off to the side. No one's going to see it. It's fine. No one's going to see it. You'll just, you know, just stuff it in here. It's fine. No one sees it. It's fine. It's clean, right? No, it's not clean. It's not clean at all. So many people do that. It's under your bed. It's in your closet. It's everywhere. So I'm going to break it down. Let's break it down. In our lives, we've allowed sin to come in our rooms, our lives, set up shop. Uh, Something that has been there so long, you don't even realize that they're there. Someone says, hey, have you seen that uh, jacket that uh, you wore like three months ago? I don't know. I don't even remember having that jacket. Um, people just don't notice. Same thing with the sin. People just—it's just there. Get used to it. We got to get back to where we hate sin, not just the so-called big sins, because there is no such thing. There is sin, and there is sin. It's the same. There is no measurement. You could, go to, you could go to hell over drug addiction, or you could go to hell over a white lie. To God, there is no measurement. Sin is sin. Psalms 119 and 127. I'll give you a moment to turn there. It says, Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts, concerning all things to be right and i hate every false way so love his commandments above fine gold and hate every false way not just not just the not just the big false ways not just the big lies you don't hate oh that's a that's a big lie that's a that's a big thing that's a big sin you don't just hate that you you hate the white lie you hate every single thing that has to do with sin so maybe let's say you do get convicted you get convicted here and there you decide it's time to get serious with God. We're going to ask for repentance of all the trash that's in your life, but you decide you'll do it later. And again, a hint, later is never coming. It's supposed—it's not supposed to be convenient to serve God. So you start cleaning up your life then. Let's just say you start cleaning up your life of sin. Well, you go for, what, two months, a month, a week. Until we fall back into all the sins and all the junk. Our room gets dirty all over again. It's the same thing over and over. It's a cycle that's never ending. Let's look at Hebrews 10 and 26. Hebrews 10:26 says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. God judged deliberate sin far more harshly than unintentional sin. If you look back at the Old Testament within Numbers 15 and 30. Numbers 15 and 30 states that, But the soul that doeth ought presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Because he hath despised the word of the Lord and hath broken his commandment. That shall shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. In the Jewish tradition, they taught that no sacrifice availed for the person who knowingly rejected the authority of God's law. So one that knowingly turned away from life in Christ would not find it anywhere else. So think about this. When you are knowingly sinning over and over again, the filth just continues to pile up. You clean it, cycle, cleanse, repeat. You're not even actually cleaning. You're just hiding. God is a merciful God. But he doesn't have to forgive you for the sins that you knowingly do. He has the power that he could cut you off just like in numbers. But he's merciful enough that you can still find grace. I know God's mercies are new every day. And we, we, we all say, and that is that is great. It's fantastic. Thank goodness God's mercies is new every day. But that doesn't mean it's a get out of jail free card that we can use twice a year. Oh, I'm going to pray. Oh, I met my quota for this half of the year. I'll wait until the next half and I will pray again. No, it's a day by day thing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15:31, I die daily. He said, I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. And if you think you can hide your baggage of sin from God like you can your guests that come over to your room, then you're only fooling yourself. Acts 17 and 30 says, In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. 31 says, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. So here in Acts, Paul is addressing the men of Athens. He's speaking of ignorance, talking about how God, he overlooked the times of this ignorance that they had, but now commanded humanity to acknowledge its evil ways and turn from them because there is a point a day when he will judge in which the world will be held accountable. So let's think about this then. Is it worth waiting? Is it worth getting distracted with the same sin? Is it worth trying to hide? So much that with all of those, the judge comes, and comes into your room, comes into your life, and says, Matthew seven twenty three, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. If all that is worth it, then we as apostolics have truly lost the importance of repentance in our lives. I find it ironic that within the salvation plan, One of the the easiest part is treated as if you only repent once. We may not be taught that, but we sure treat it as if it just it just seems to get glazed over. Acts 238. Let's read it the way that that people normally just kind of treat repentance. Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the the Holy Ghost. But it's it's all equal. You have to have all of these. And repentance is the day-by-day thing in which we should live by. So why why are we glazing over it? Why glaze over repentance when it's just as important as baptism and just as important as the Holy Ghost? It's saddening to think that people out there in the apostolic movement with a call on their life, but they're so deep in their filth that God can't even see that call anymore. He can't see you. You're, you're, You're so covered up in your filth that that all of the sin that is around you he can't see the call he, he probably don't he knows what the call is but he can't see you in order to give it to you yet people have the audacity to get mad at god or blame god for why they haven't received their calling on their life or why their calling was taken away from them they need to blame themselves Matthew 3 and 1 Matthew 3 and 1 I'm going to get a drink here Matthew 3 and 1 says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here, John is preaching in the wilderness, Judea focusing on repentance. Same thing Jesus stated um, here coming in Acts or Matthew 4 and 17. This call to repent means that we must abandon sinful lifestyles and express Sorrow for sins. That, that, that means the sorrow, it, you, you mean it. Some people, it's just like, dear Lord, please forgive me for my sins. Amen. Like, it, there's no meaning behind that. There's no heart behind that. Your sorrow, it, it, you have to express something except for just from your mouth. That also means that you have to express sorrow for sins that you don't even recognize you did wrong. And that may be difficult, but you've got to find it in your heart that even if those sins, even if you did it unknowingly and you don't even know what they are, you still got to remember that you sinned against God. Repentance is not just a little nighttime prayer that we say before bed and we say, just like pastor said on Sunday, we don't say the same thing over and over and over again. It's something that should be true coming from our hearts with sorrow sorrow. And we need to do it before it's too late because the kingdom of heaven is still at hand. We should ask God for mercy. If you look at Psalms 51 and 1, David is praying and pleading with God. He says, have mercy upon me. O God, according to thy love and kindness, according to the unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly with from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. So David is playing. He's playing for God's forgiveness of the sin with Bathsheba. Sin of adultery with Bathsheba. And he is asking God to blot out, wash, and cleanse him. He's asking mercy of God. In verse 4, then he said, against thee, thee only, have I sinned. That doesn't mean others weren't involved with the sin, or the action, or the effects of it. But Even sinning against others, the ultimate insult was against God. Psalms 51 and 11, he continues, And cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David got to a point in his plea where he was helpless. He's becoming helpless. He's, God, please do not cut me off from your presence. That's the sorrow talking. He's becoming helpless. Sometimes in our repentance, I think it's a good point in which we need to become helpless. It helps you remember where your help comes from, because it's not just it's not just oh God, please. You know, no, you're you're bringing sorrow into this. You should feel helpless because this is the thing that could be in between you and heaven. Second Chronicles seven in verse twelve. Second Chronicles seven and twelve says. And the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or I send the pestilence among my people. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open, and mine ears attentive unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. God here came to Solomon by night. He's answering a prayer that Solomon prayed during the first chapter of Second Chronicles. God, in this passage, he said, if people which are called by my name humble, pray, seek God, and turn from sin, God will hear and forgive them and heal their spiritual relationship as well as heal their promised land. And these verses reflect God's gracious nature and that any person can come to the Lord with a repentant heart and find forgiveness it's, it's not impossible. It's, we, we've got to have the want to. Some people don't have the want to. Going back to our opening passage, Isaiah 59 and 1. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Said, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sin that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he hath turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers, and your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies, and your mouth spews corruption. No one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies. They conceive evil deeds and then give birth to sin. These verses here are talking about a separation from God, from His people. And the first verse is explaining that God is not powerless. He's not powerless to help you. He's not powerless to forgive you, or He's the one that died. Jesus died so that we may find forgiveness. but the people's sins created a separation. You created a separation where hid his face from you. God can't hear. When you're covered in your filth, they were murderers. They were full of lies. God could not hear them. He was able, but he could not hear. Everything was piled on. They were under all of their filth. And yet people still would question, where's God? Well, on the contrary, God probably saying, where is you? I don't see you down there. All I see is all this junk that you're, you're piled under and it just keeps getting bigger. They were conceiving evil deeds and giving birth to sin. God couldn't see them. How are our lives, our rooms, supposed to get cleaned if we don't plea? If we don't come with a heart of sorrow, when, and we ask for mercy, realizing where our help comes from, humbling ourselves and praying we need to seek the lord and turn from sin it's not enough to just seek the lord okay i'm repented no you need to turn from whatever you just you just repented from you've got to you've got to clean it up you've got to throw it you know throw it in the basket you got to turn away from it never come back to it ever again it's going to stay there and it's not going to be picked back up by me if you please stand with me Last verse, when are going to turn to Luke 13, 3. It says, and I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Except ye repent, ye all shall likewise perish. I don't want to perish for eternity. When something As simple as as coming to God with sorrow, asking Him for mercy, seeking God, and turning. That's the part we've got to turn. We can't be covered up in all this filth. He can't see us. I don't want to perish because of that. If we could just take a moment and pray and plea with God, we can clean our rooms. The altars are open if you want to come. I don't I don't want daddy to come to my room and me not be ready. I don't want him to say I never knew you. Get away from me, you that work iniquity. I want to clean my room, turning to God and away from all the mess around me. If we please pray.